This is the Millennial Millionaire Through Real Estate Podcast. So it was really simple. I hired out the things that I hated, things I didn't like doing, things I didn't want to do anymore, and things I weren't good at, right? So I brought in a person. And instead of looking at that person as an expense, like most people do, they're like, well, I can't hire anybody. I can't afford it. I just started off really, really simple. And I said, you know what? If I pay this person $10 an hour, could they make $10 an hour for me? And like, maybe I just break even with whatever I pay them, right? But I get all my time back on that activity. You're listening to the Millennial Millionaire Through Real Estate Podcast, where we discuss tangible tips, tricks, and best practices for becoming financially free. The show is designed for people who want to either start real estate investing or for those who want to scale their real estate business. What's up, guys? This is Jonathan Farber, host of the Millennial Millionaire Through Real Estate podcast. This show is all about achieving financial freedom as fast as possible so you can do whatever makes you happy in life. For me, that vehicle was real estate, and it's how I achieved financial freedom at 27. If you want to know how I got started, my journey is presented in a YouTube video posted in the show notes, and I post daily in our private Facebook group about my favorite topics and day-to-day -day strategies. I appreciate you guys being here, and let's get started. Oh, by the way, reach out if you ever need help. I try to keep my calendar open and talk to anyone that needs it or has any quick questions. See you guys guys. Talk to you later. This episode is sponsored by Infinite Road Destinations, the smartest short-term rental property management group I know, and the group that manages my properties. This is a company that's very close to my heart, run by two of the smartest, most attentive people I know, Claire Rosenberg and Alex Brashears. Claire and I first met when we worked together at NetApp, where she was a top performer and rose crazy fast in the company. And Alex is just one of the most active, genuine people I know in the real estate space. The two of them together bring a blended background of project management, software design, and extensive experience with automation tools and virtual assistants. Through these experiences, they optimize any property to deliver a hands-off experience to owners while delivering the highest occupancy and highest daily rates possible. You guys know I would not recommend anything to anyone in this group that I do not fully endorse or think that is the absolute best product. And this company is that. And like I said before, this is the exact company and people that manage my Airbnbs. If you don't believe me, here are a few of the other tools and services that come along with the team. Listing optimization, guest support and approval, communication and reservations, key exchange and management, dynamic pricing, welcome kit creation, listing advertising and marketing, vendor management, including cleaners, maintenance, handymen, runners, and monthly property reports. To learn more, check out shorttermmadeeasy.com or email info at shorttermmadeeasy.com. And on the forum, just mention that you heard it here or mention my name. So give it a try. You have nothing to lose and they offer a satisfaction guarantee. And I assure you guys, you will not be disappointed. What's up guys. Today we have an awesome episode with Brett Snodgrass. Brett and I, I felt like just had a great connection and kickoff on this episode. It might be one of my favorites or uh, on the Mount Rushmore to this point, just his attitude and his humbleness, his humility is something that I'd say is very rare, especially in a world where everyone is trying to explain how many units they have and how much money they make and the deals they do. He just has a quiet confidence about him that is very rare and admir admirable in the space. Um, he does about 300 wholesale, wholesale, or flip deals in a year. He started off as a teacher, did his first deal in 2007 for nine grand. He's based in Indiana and now has built 
a big business that he was able to scale and then remove himself from and now just kind of really live and choose to do whatever he wants to do every day with his family or activities. Uh, and just really cool. He didn't come from money either. So he kind of built this thing from scratch. And what we do in this episode is just walk through step-by-step -step hiring people, building systems, building scale, doing more deals, how he would do it again if he was a beginner and just everything kind of step-by-step. -step. It was a really great episode and I hope to be doing more with Brett, have him on the podcast again and do another maybe Facebook or Instagram live. It should be a lot of fun. Today's tangible tip, it sounds obvious, but make a list of your priorities. It's much easier to default into what you should be doing when it's already preset. So if you know what three things are important in your life and make you happy, when you get a request to do something that is not aligned to one of those three things, it's very easy to say no to that. But if you have no filter or no net, any request that comes in could be a potential good thing or bad thing to do without knowing what it is. You have no way to say yes or no. So it's a good filter, but it's just a really important thing. And actually, Brett kind of touched on this in the episode of just a really smart way to think about it and define your priorities so you can make better decisions and ultimately just live a happier life. So that's today's tangible tip. Buckle up, guys. Awesome episode today with Brett Snodgrass. All right, Brett, what is going on, man? Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, Jonathan. Thanks so much for having me, man. It's been a blast. We've already had a little bit of a conversation already, so I'm, yeah, I'm ready to I, rock it. I think we're going to have some fun, man. I, I get a great energy from you, and uh, like you said, we were having a good conversation kind of before hit and record and uh, just had to get started because didn't want anyone to uh, miss out on what was going on behind the curtain, man. So you know, this is, this is our first time talking and just kind of digging into your background and, and catching up just other than the notes and reading up on you a little bit. Could you give our listeners from a high level of background on how you got into this world of real estate and then also from a high level, uh, what you do in real estate today or what your day today is just those two parts. Yeah, definitely. No, thanks. Uh, yeah. So just my background is I came from middle-class family. My parents are both teachers. So uh, my dad made between forty and $60,000 a year uh, his entire life. Uh, mom, she was a preschool teacher. So I didn't come from money, didn't, wasn't taught entrepreneurship, uh, didn't, didn't do anything like that. I was actually a sports guy. I played basketball. My dad was a high school basketball coach. So, um, and, I, and I really relate a lot of the business strategies that I do today to sports, right? Uh, so a lot of it's discipline, hard work, uh, pushing through, facing challenges, problem solving, all that kind of related to sports. That's why I think sports athletes are really good business people as well. Um, so fast forward, I went to college to be a teacher because I didn't know what else to do. So my parents were teachers. So I was like, Hey, I'll, I'll do that. That sounds cool. Uh, I taught for a year out of college and realized, well, this is not for me. Uh, you know, I did, wasn't making any money, didn't enjoy it. And, and I always enjoyed, um, creating something. I was very creative, had a creative mind, and and I always enjoyed business. Uh, you know, even even as a young child, I would count my money and I would do little small businesses here and there, like sell candy or have a lemonade stand, something like that. You know, just to to make money. So I always enjoyed business, and so I wanted to get into the business world, wanted to own my own business, and how I got into real estate was I was about twenty five, twenty six years old. Uh, and my dad introduced me to a real estate investor and he was a land developer. Uh, well, kind of, he actually bought timber land out in Southern Indiana. He would buy hundred acres of land and, and sell it. 
and my dad introduced me to him. So I got to work for him. I was a bird dog for him. I would help him find deals and he paid me a commission on those particular deals. Uh, and I remember my very first deal, I made $7,000. It was more money than I had ever seen in my entire life. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. You just made $7,000. That's ridiculous. Like teaching, I that would be three or four months of teaching. And uh, that's when it kind of just started to get the flavor of real estate investing. And I got to ride around the car with him and listen to him. And he talked about all these deals. He'd been doing it for 30 years. And and I realized, you know, this guy is really cool. He's not that smart. And I think that I could, I could do that. So that's when I got the taste of it. This was back in 2007. And then, uh, and then I got into, you know, I started looking online one night and I found a house for sale and it was like $10,000. It was actually $9,000. And I talked to dad and I said, Hey, let's buy this house and let's flip it. And that's what we did. And we didn't have any money to really fix it up. So uh, we bought it for 9,000 and we sold it for 15,000. And that's where it all started uh, 14 years ago. Uh, and then that one house turned into a hundred, a thousand. I think we've done about 3000 deals 14 years later. Um, and it's been quite the ride, man. It's been crazy. <laughs> and just to clarify, that's incredible. When you say a thousand or three thousand, are you saying flips? Are you saying what? What does what does that number mean to you? Yeah, yeah. Well, we've done a lot of different things. So we kind of start off just doing wholesaling or wholetailing is what we called it back in the day. Uh, we mm -hmm. didn't even call it anything back in the day. We <laughs> bought a house, uh, a bank owned. We bought a bank owned house. We cleaned it up, and then we sold it. And that was it. Uh, and we just, so that's what I mean by that. Um, mm -hmm. And we even mm -hmm. still do that model today. We buy houses, we clean them out, and then we sell them either on the LS or to our buyers list. So it's more of the wholetailing model. Uh, we also do wholesaling. Our, our business is actually called Simple Wholesaling. So, um, so yeah, that's been the model. We've done a lot of retail flips as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but our main model is we buy and sell really fast. We do about 300 deals, 300 deals a year right now. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, okay. There's, there's just so much there, man. Um, just, just from the way you got started to the scale, to just your humility is, is really cool. So, um, the, the first deal, I guess, when you did that was, was this just something that you felt was a low enough price that you didn't feel there was a big risk? Did it feel like a big risk at the time? I, I and I guess like, what was your mindset then? Cause you know, you know how it goes when, when someone's never done a deal, it feels like it's a huge mountain to climb, but then maybe after that one, people pick up motiv motivation or kind of momentum, but if it doesn't go well, then sometimes they just stop. So can you take us through your mindset at that time a little bit? Uh, and then maybe any of the nuts and bolts of the deal of just kind of, you know, how it went. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so take yourself back to the first deal. Number one, it was a big deal, right? It was a lot of money to us. Again, I, I remember my dad even telling me he never remembered having more than $5,000 in his bank account in his entire life as a teacher. So to spend $9,000 on a house today, it could be $250,000. It was the same thing for us. I mean, that was a lot of money mm. uh, for us, for us to lose that. It would have been a lot of money for us. So, um, so number one, it was a big deal. Uh, and I think the biggest thing was I was a risk taker. I was, um, I liked adventure. And so I was willing to take the risk and just to learn. And so, so kind of just looking back, um, you know, we bought the house and, and then we just marketed it and we sold it. We made $6,000. I think the biggest thing is just, there was a, Dan Sullivan, I think, said this. He talked about the four C's in a book. Uh, number one was commitment. 
So the first C was commitment. So I was committed to this deal. I committed myself. Then the second C was courage, right? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people get hung up on courage. They don't have the courage or they don't want because courage feels really crappy when you have to muster up courage. It's like, it just doesn't feel good. So most people stop there, but I was willing to, to push through the courage part of it, right? And then the third one was the capability. So once you do the deal, you learn the skill of how to do that deal. And that's where you get the skills at. Right. And then the last one was confidence. So once you sell the deal and you get the results, now you have confidence. Right. So a lot of people get hung up on, on the courage part. But now today, like I said, we did 300 deals uh, last year. I've never seen any of the deals. Um, I'm totally out of the business. Um, and but it's because I've gone through all that and I have very high confidence in what I'm doing, right? So I think anybody can do this. It's just doing it over and over and over again to get to get to that confidence part. And then mm -hmm. it becomes pretty easy. Okay, man, Brett, so interesting. Um, all right, so what was your progression after that, that first deal um, from a high level? You know, because I think a lot of people are hearing that and, and the question they're just asking is how? How do you scale? You know, most people I think, they don't feel like they can find one deal, let alone 300. So I'm sure the advice would be different, you know, in your business today, but what was your process of scaling that business? Yeah, well, I'll be honest and hopefully your listeners resonate with this. So the first seven years, I was a one man band. I was a one man show and I wasn't doing 300 deals, you know, back then. Um, so it was a lot of work. I was working my tail off, uh, 80, 90 hours a week. And I was doing everything. I was buying the houses, selling the houses, cleaning out the houses, listing the houses, everything, right? Um, so I wouldn't recommend that. People ask me what I would have done earlier or different. And I said, I would have built a team earlier, scaled a little bit earlier. And when I talk about scaling, uh, for me, it was all about freedom and it wasn't about scaling this big monster business. I mean, I, I read posts and people say, I want to make a hundred million dollars or I want to make a million dollars a year or something like that. Like that was never my goal, right? Um, my goal eventually was to how do I not work 80 hours a week <laughs> and kill myself, right? Like that was, that was the thing. And it just starts off really, really small. Uh, so, so number one, it, if you probably read the book traction, you know, it's just a process and it's just a system, right? So we read the book traction and we developed, I hired a business coach and started to walk through, okay, I know how to buy and sell a house. I got that skill down. I'm confident I can do that. I don't know how to run a business. Mm. So how do I do that? Right? So I hired a coach to help me walk through the business portion of it. Um, and that's where we started to scale. And he said, well, First, if you don't want to work, work 80 hours a week, you got to bring in some other people. What, what, what do you want to hire out? So it was really simple. I hired out the things that I hated, things I didn't like doing, things I didn't want to do anymore, and things I weren't good at, right? So I brought in a person. And instead of looking at that person as an expense, like most people do, they're like, well, I can't hire anybody. I can't afford it. I just started off really, really simple. And I said, you know what? If I pay this person $10 an hour, could they make $10 an hour for me? And like, maybe I just break even with whatever I pay them, right? But I get all my time back on that activity. 
And that's where I started, right? And I started to just whittle down and I started to take these activities, delegate them, build the process, train them. And it's just a puzzle. It's just one thing after a time. And like, I don't have freedom today because all of a sudden I woke up last year and be like, you know what? I, I want freedom. This has been three, four, five years of putting the puzzle together. <laughs> Brett, um, I, this is just, yeah. I feel like you're my spirit animal, man. Honestly, this is just like, <laughs> this is music to my ears. Um, I came from corporate and as, as the group that listens to the show knows, like this is, you know, the traction, rocket fuel, um, for our work week, um, free to focus. These are like my, 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 my pillars, you know? So hearing you say, yeah. and you're much further along than I am and a lot of people in the group too, but I think it's a great kind of reminder and place to think of as like where the goal is or where you can scale a business to that mm-hmm. you don't have to be, and that now I'm thinking of E-Myth, you don't have to be the person that's doing all parts of the business. You know, you can build up processes. And I love what you said that you just started with the stuff that you didn't like doing. So the, I have a bunch of questions on that, but the first one is something that our group kicks around a lot. I've had good experiences with and some not so good experiences with is coaching. Um, now I feel like it's a non-negotiable for me. It's just unfortunate though, that sometimes it takes time and energy and investment with the wrong type to find the right type. But it sounds like you had a great experience with yours. Could you just talk to how you found this coach? And maybe if you had like any limiting beliefs around that of, you know, coaching is kind of guru-y or it won't help me, or I don't have the money to do it. And I love what you say, change that mindset to an investment, but how did, how did you find the coach? And then can you maybe just talk us through kind of what that experience was like from before you had one to after? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I just highly recommend uh, when you're picking a coach is referrals and references. Uh, you know, someone who's posting out on Facebook, oh, I coach and taking this guy from this guy from this level to a million dollars, whatever. I don't, I don't really listen to any of that. I don't I don't want to I don't care. Right. Uh, it's more like my coach was referred to me. Uh, they had a guy, he was, um, actually he was a wealth advisor. So I was working with him and he said, you know, you should meet my friend, Will, who is a consultant, business consultant. And he actually worked with scaling up at that time. So I've done scaling up, I've done traction. I've done both of those two. And, uh, and I didn't know anything about business. Right. So when we sit down and we start planning and we go through our one page plan and we start talking about our core values over here. And I'm like, I've never done any of this before. So this was all really cool to me um, and just have someone to bounce these ideas off of. I've never hired anybody before. Like, I don't know how to do that. I've never fired mm. anybody before. Like, that's a hard thing when you have to fire somebody if you've never done it before. I'm like, man, this sucks. I don't want to do this. Mm. But just to have someone tell me, you got to fire that guy. Like, you know, and I was like, okay. <laughs> but it was uh, it just, so for me, it was a good experience. I would recommend who do you know uh, that has a great experience with a coach? Mm. I would start there. Um, okay. so reference is good. So now we have another coach. Uh, I, and, I, and I work with, and I recommend, um, I change things up too. So we worked with Will. He was a great coach for three years. Now we work with another guy named uh, Gary Harper and his wife and they're Sharper Solutions. And they're great. They're on my podcast and they're EOS, Traction Coaches, Consultant. Mm-hmm. We're working with him for two years. And, um, yeah, so I think a lot of it is, is, again, it's about running the business and it's not about how to flip a house. Like mm-hmm. actually will didn't even know what we did like <laughs> at all. He wasn't an expert at all in flipping a house. Like he didn't even know I had to explain it probably 16 times what we even did. 
right? But even about that, it's how, how do you hire someone? How do you build a system for it? How do you build your processes? Okay, your money is a problem. Okay, like let's fix that. How are we going to fix your money problem? Mm-hmm. And it's all about that. It's not even about flipping houses. That is so funny. I don't know Gary <laughs> personally, but I actually, one of my good friends, um, bumped into him and was like, you got to connect with this guy. So we were actually just exchanging messages on social media, but now I'm definitely going to make the, the push to connect to them more of, you know, just, just hearing that yeah. it's a small world, but that's really funny. Yeah. I'll send you my podcast. I just did a podcast episode with him and his wife. And again, like I'm a humble guy. So I like to work with people that I connect with. I think Gary's a humble guy too. I mean, he's been, he had some health challenges. He talked about, he started crying actually on my podcast um, because he almost died. Right. And uh, now he's here and he works with his wife. So um, I think it also, you have to connect with someone. Like if I had a coach and he was like, man, you got to crush it. You got to hire people. You got to hire five people at a time. And you're going to have to let three of them go like tomorrow because that's just the way it is. And it's cutthroat. Like that just wouldn't work for me. So I think you got to connect with someone uh, <laughs> that you relate with as well. <laughs> that is, oh man, I, I resonate with that so much. It's just, you know, not my here's nature a, to you know, be flashy here, either. Here's a good coaching moment. And coaching doesn't have to be... Um, Coaching can just be, it brings up hard questions that you didn't even think about. So here's an example. So 2020, early 2020, January, February, I'm the CEO of our business. I'm the visionary, right? So I'm sitting with our COO, the implementer, and we're with Gary and we're all talking. And my implementer, COO guy, he's answering all the questions. He's coming up with his ideas. And I'm just kind of sitting there quiet. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, and Gary actually looks at me and he said, Brett, do you even want to be the visionary anymore? And I honestly asked him, I was like, is that even an option? Like, I didn't even know I could do that. Wow. And he said, well, yeah, I mean, it's your company. You can, you can step out and just sit in the owner's box and not do anything if you want to. And I said, that's what I want. And then that's what it all happened. So just that one question changed my life. And I didn't even know I could, you know, I didn't, I, I, I heard about it before, but I didn't know I could right until someone asked me if I wanted that. That is so interesting. I'm going to make a note to circle back to that because I think, I think there's just so much there and it's such an interesting concept, especially because it's, it's down the path for a lot of people, but again, it's just an interesting question. And, and then, you know, someone that we, I mean, we, we connect a lot with the one thing methodology, you know, um, just, just, mm-hmm. you know, Jeff and Gary and like the, been on the podcast and, um, you know, like that model, when you, when you just said that, it kind of reminded me of like Gary Keller saying he just wanted to step out of the business. He just wanted to build something that could function and then, you know, find a better use of his time or something he enjoyed keep removing himself or keep moving himself up and out, um, so that this machine can function without him. And that's, for I'd say most people, the goal, you know, some people enjoy being operators, but for most visionaries, I think that is kind of the concept. And just for those that don't understand, if anyone like the word visionary and integrator, you know, if you ever check out the book Rocket Fuel or or um, any of the the EOS books, but kind of that helped me understand it a lot more. And I could tell Brett that you definitely kind of encompass that and really good at building systems and kind of organizing like a structure and a strategy. Um, so it's just really cool. Um, what, can you talk to us a little about what the business, 
kind of developed into from, I guess, a systems perspective and, and a personnel perspective, like who, who was in the business, who was doing what in the business. And then when you were still involved, what was your role in overseeing things? No, yeah, definitely. Uh, so I, even though I had a coach, I'd still did everything, uh, kind of wrong, especially when it came to hiring people. Right. I mean, most people do this, they hire their friends, they hire people they know, and I don't know, they hire their uncle, Henry, whatever. Right. And, uh, that was just a huge mistake. And I always, uh, didn't have a process to the hiring. I, it was just a gut check. I was like, Oh, this, this person feels good. Let's do it. Um, and that was wrong. <laughs> so I just learned, uh, everything has a process and, and a system to it. And I did a podcast uh, a few weeks ago about freedom. And it's funny because most visionaries, we don't like to talk about processes. We talk about systems because we think it is super boring, right? Uh, oh man, I have to build a process and a system to all this. And, and I said this on the podcast, I said, if you don't, well, if you don't want to do processes, you'll never be free. Mm. And that's just it. Right. So, so if you know that it becomes very sexy. And, um, so for me, yeah, process and training and people, I think the number thing, the number one thing is, is the people it's the team. I mean, the magic is in the team. If you have the right people in the right seats, you can have a magical journey and a magical team. Um, now it took a long time to get us there and we sh we're still not perfect, right? We still have people maybe in the wrong seats and doing different things, but, um, but we're a lot closer and I think the magic is, is just in the people. So, you know, for us, you know, we're, we run a wholesale wholesaling company. So, you know, the acquisitions team is important. So right now we have three acquisitions managers are the ones getting the deals. So like we got guys going out, they're getting the deals, right? We got the dispositions team. So we got a dispositions manager. He's the one selling all of our deals. So he's mm -hmm. the investor guy that, you know, the connector, he, he does that. Um, and then we have a transaction coordinator, which is, you know, an administrative job. They're the ones putting all the, you know, the transactions together, the closing companies and, and all that stuff, scheduling all the closings. Um, and then we have a, we had a COO and he was just kind of running, you know, running the operations, making sure, I think the biggest thing for him was just to keep people accountable. It's like, Hey, is everybody doing their job? And that's just, that's just what it, how can I keep everybody accountable? And then my job as a visionary was to come up with the ideas and come up with the direction of where do we want to go? Do we want to go to multiple markets? Do we want to be a nationwide company? Do we want to stay this? Do we want to do different strategies? Do we want to buy an apartment building? I don't know, whatever it is. That was kind of my, my deal. So that was mm -hmm. our team. And then we have some other virtual assistants. I'm huge on virtual assistants. And uh, we have six virtual assistants that work for us that kind of glue everything together as far as assistance and administrative tasks and all that stuff too. Okay. I'm going to just try to be concise in my questions because I have so many. Um, no one, <laughs> um, how do you balance, uh, you mentioned as a visionary and again, for people that don't understand this, like I used to think it was kind of BS, but like, it's just not like it is a role and a skill set, and some people are just better at different things. But as a visionary, a common problem that I've struggled with and in speaking with other visionaries have struggled with is balancing kind of considering new ideas, but also not chasing the wrong car, you know, and having shiny object syndrome. So for you and your business, and it might be something that you kind of work with Gary on, but how do you think about that? How did you think about that of 
experimenting with new kind of innovative ideas, but also not just chasing, you know, every car that drove by. Yeah. Um, I think just getting really uh, a board of mentors. I mean, maybe it's a coach, maybe it's Gary, maybe it's a different coach that you work with, but I have other people too that I bounce ideas off of. And I've learned that I'm a very quick starter. So uh, when I think of something, I'm like, let's just do it. Let's go. So the next day I'm like, here we go. We're going to do, we're going to do this. And I don't really think about it. That's my, that's my intuitive nature. Right. And I know that about myself. So now I'm like, okay, I know that's what I'm going to do, but I need to bounce this idea off of some people and just see, right. We'll see what they think. So other people that have already been down this road before. So like, if you're going to, if you're a wholesaler and then now you're going to buy an apartment building, like you probably need to talk to some other people that have already done, done that and gotten their experience. Um, a lot of people in my space enter into the education. So here's one for you. I was, we were a great wholesale company. We we're doing 250, 300 deals a year over here. And the next transition is, okay, you know, what would be really cool is if we have this education company and we teach people how to do this and let's have a course, let's have a coaching program and let's do that. And so now I got this business over here. Now we got this education piece and we think, oh, this is going to be, it's going to all mesh together. It's great. It just whatever. Right. And I started bouncing this idea off of other people that have already gone down that road that they were, uh, um, they had deals over here, but they also had an education company. And my feedback was, Hey, Brett, if you want two full-time businesses, then that idea sounds really great. Um, you know, if you're working 40 hours a week and now you want to work 80, that sounds like a great idea. And I did, again, like, I don't want that. So I nixed the education company and I just said, let's just do deals. Um, so for me, it's like, have a board of mentors. Maybe you don't have to call it a board of mentors, but have people that you can bounce ideas off of that at least that have already gone on that journey. Yeah, that's just such good advice. And it's, I think our, one of our kind of core mantras is, don't take advice from people that you wouldn't trade places with or admire in that space. So I think what you're talking about is so important, but I, I think what you're not talking about is just anytime you have an idea, bounce it off a friend that has no context or a family member that, you know, might just shoot you down anyway, but get meaningful feedback from people that can actually comment from experience instead of kind of convenience, you know? So I think it's so important. Um, you mentioned hiring virtual assistants. We, Again, smaller scale, but just love the concept of it. It's freed up a lot of our time and and kind of let us expand into things that we wouldn't be able to do. Um, what were some of your first virtual hires? And now what are the hires doing in your business day-to-day, -day, the six that you have? Yeah. Um, again, like you talk about the one thing and like I, I'm good at one, I'm good at like very small amount of things, right? I'm not good at a lot of things, but, uh, and everybody on your team is the same way and there's money making activities. So there's activities that you do that you make money at. And then there's a bunch of other activities in the middle of all that stuff that you don't really make money at, but they have to still get done. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so we hire virtual assistants to try to do all those activities that don't really make money, but they have to get done. Um, so they are kind of helpers and assistants uh, to our team. So a lot of it is administrative tasks. Uh, so we started off 
going, having them go through spreadsheets with our lists, right. And, and organizing that, um, listing properties, right. That's a big one, right. Putting the listings out there, putting the, the property presentations together, getting the pictures, organizing the pictures, right. Cause you don't want your dispositions or your acquisitions guys doing that stuff. Again, it might take them an hour, two hours. And in, it has to get done, but it doesn't make us any money. I would rather them talking to the next uh, seller or buyer. So most of ours do do that. Um, so administrative tasks. So I would just start writing down what are all the activities that you have to do in your business that don't make money and start with your administrative tasks. Uh, transaction coordination. Again, like we have to coordinate all of our transactions and that takes a lot of time. I mean, have you ever, have you ever closed on a real estate deal? It's not one email and Hey, we're closing. Cool. Let's do this. It's like 12 emails back and forth title work. Oh, we have to get this payoff. Oh, uh, we got this inspection stuff done. Okay. When's the appraiser going to get done? Okay. And when are we going to schedule it? Let's call the seller. When can seller, you know, you know what I mean? Right. So now we have someone, we have a VA that does that. Mm. We have a VA that does all of our transaction coordination. Um, so yeah, and it can go as high as you want, honestly, like technology these days is crazy. Uh, I have an executive assistant, Roxanne, she's been with me almost four years and she's my, my right hand. Uh, she pays all of our bills. Uh, she wires all of our money for all of our closings. Uh, she schedules my reservations for dinner this Saturday. Uh, she orders my wife flowers for me. Um, she, she, and then she pays all of our utility bills for all of our properties. She covers all of our insurance and all of our properties. So the sky's the limit, you know? Mm, so, so good. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's just, uh, okay. And, and I just have one more question on that. And then we're going to loop back to kind of what we were talking about before. Um, but uh, just, just for that example, someone listening to the show and they're wondering, all right, how, how can I, how, or when should I bring someone like that into the business? So however you want to take on those two of, of maybe how you found and hired that person or maybe when is a good time, you know, we've, yeah. So I'll just leave it at that. Mm -hmm. A good time to bring a VA or a good time to bring in like an assistant. Um, I think a VA is like, there's always a good time for that just because I feel like there's such a low cost to entry. So, I mean, but you could yeah. talk to that too, but I guess maybe something a little more formal, unless you think that a VA could start as kind of a first personal assistant to do some of the things you're talking about. I guess I just mean like, you know, for someone that's questioning, um, when, when do I start bringing people into this operation? Cause I, I feel very overwhelmed mm -hmm. and, uh, I don't know what to give these people to do, but I also, I don't know if I should just find someone on Upwork or if I should hire an agency or, you know, what do I do? Yeah, no, definitely. That's a great question. So I was always afraid about hiring VAs three or four years ago. And, uh, I was like, oh, they're gonna, they're not going to be any good. I'm not gonna be able to communicate with them. Um, they got different time zones and all these things, right. It's total total BS. It's like, um, like I said, my executive assistant is I've, I've never even met her in person only through zoom and she does everything for me. So I was just say, get over that hurdle. Um, we started off hiring people through a, an agency because I was kind of afraid to hire someone on Upwork. I want kind of a middle, middle company to be the buffer. Uh, if I have a problem, I can just go to the company, right? Um, plus, I thought they already have a pool of virtual assistants that they've already trained and know that are good. 
And so I hired one that um, it's a friend of a friend of mine named Ryan Johnson. And he, uh, he, his website is betteryourbest.com, betteryourbest.com. And then they hire v VAs for real estate investors. So it's only for real estate investors. And that's where I started. So we've hired three people from that company. We've hired more than that. Um, but we still have three left and they've all been with us three or four years. So it's been really cool. But I've also hired VAs from a headhunter. And so just like you would hire someone here through a headhunter, I had a headhunter from the Philippines hire. We've hired three virtual assistants from a headhunter. And that's really cool because uh, we pay the headhunter a small fee. Honestly, it was like, I think $100, something like that, or $200 to find us somebody. And then we interviewed them. And now we work with the VA directly. Um, so now, you know, and we can pay them a little bit less money because there's no middle company in the middle as well, mm. but they're also really good. So I don't know, I guess I recommend starting off with an agency first. That's my recommendation and get your feet wet. And then once you get the system down and you know what you're doing and how to, how to run with it, then maybe you can go off on your own and hire someone from Upwork or something. I kind of, I actually have a selfish question that, you know, I guess I'm just going to throw out there and, you know, I guess that's the benefit of kind of having a podcast and having someone kind of like you said in a cabinet, you know, to ask, but right now, you know, we, we have a, a small a, like stream or income for us is, is wholesaling and flipping and wholesaling. And, um, you know, I'd say I'm kind of getting to the point in that business where I, there are some people that reach out from our group that say, you know, I want to learn how to get into wholesaling. I have time, I have energy. I'm happy to cold call for you. You know, we also have VAs doing, you know, ringless voicemail and text and calling themselves and, you know, it's consistent, you know, drip business. Um, but now, you know, with, with these non VA people, I'm some of them, you know, they're like, I want to be paid hourly. Some of them say I want to be paid commission, you know, I'm in sales and I'm a little torn on, on how to, bring someone into the fold of, you know, which strategy to, to do or pay someone that comes into, I guess, the circle kind of with that question. So do you have any advice? I know this is just like for me, but you know, for other people listening, they might be in the same boat of how to pay people or different ways that you've done it that, that come into the fold, you know, because it is a growing business. I am trying to be very careful with our expenses, but I also am a true believer that you need to hire people and grow and scale to kind of get yourself out of it. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, yeah, we've had the same. A lot of people reach out, give them opportunities. And I'm always willing to listen and, and listen to an opportunity. If someone comes and they're hungry and uh, that we have, we have, we've had people on our team. So we host a local meetup here in Indianapolis called the Simple Wholesaling Meetup. And this one guy came up to me, tears in his eyes, has six kids, worked at a calling center and hated his job. And he wanted to work for us. And I said, well, you know, we need a manager. Maybe you can uh, answer the phones for us. Now he's our top acquisitions wow. manager uh, three, three years later. And I think he's five X his income wow. when he was a calling center. So, um, so I guess with that all said, I listen to opportunities. So I would never shy away from opportunities. If someone's willing to work hard, I would, I would listen to it. Now, has that always happened? Now there's a lot of people that said, that wanted to. And I said, I just don't think it, it's a good fit. Mm -hmm. um, so number one, I would just look at the position and if it's a money-making activity, as far as if it's an acquisitions person or a dispositions person and they're making you money, like, you know, they're getting deals or they're selling deals on an admin person. I, I always love the commission. I mean, I think that if, if someone's good at sales and they want to grow 
that's a commission job because I think there's motivation there. Uh, you know, the more money they make you, the more money they make. Um, maybe there's a sliding scale where like, hey, if we make this much money, you make this much. But if we make this much money, you make more, right? And you got to give them some sort of incentive. So I would look at the position. If it's money-making activity, I like commissions. Uh, now, can you give a base on that just to get them familiar? I'm always willing to, hey, let's start off here. But, um, but, you know, eventually we want to go full commission. If it's an admin activity, then I go hourly, honestly. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that's what I do there. And typically it's not, I would, I would just look at the position and like, how much is it really worth uh, to have someone do it, you know, at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Brad, I feel like we might need to do a part two, man. I don't want to shortchange this, but you just, it's <laughs> no, such, good. such meaningful, I guess, you know, it's just, just tactical information, you know, like uh, you, you have a podcast too. You're on a lot of podcasts, but it's just like, it's so refreshing to have someone that can give tactical answers and concise answers. So I just, it's awesome. Um, but before we do hop, I want to talk about something we were talking about a little before hitting record, which is kind of more, and again, this might you know, some people might roll their eyes a little bit more of like kind of the the meaning and purpose of doing a lot of this stuff. You know, I, I mentioned you a little before and I'm at a completely different level than you, but I hit kind of early stage financial freedom. And now it's kind of like looking around, like, what do I do? What do I do every day? What makes me happy? You know, like, well, how do I want to be spending my time? You're definitely much further along than I am. You've been doing it longer, but I would just love to hear kind of your perspective on that and kind of what's you know, how do you reconnect with your why and what drives you at this point? And, you know, like, what is this lifestyle, you know, meant to you? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great question. Um, number one, I would probably just rephrase your question. Like, you know, I know you've mentioned a few times that I'm further along than you. Um, and I would just say that doesn't have to be true because it's, it's your life. <laughs> like, you know, what if you're living your amazing life. And what if I'm not, you know, what if I'm completely miserable in my home? Like I could say anything on this podcast that I want you to hear, but reality says I might be completely miserable and I'm not further along than you. So I would just rephrase that, that, you know, if you're listening to this, maybe I'm not, maybe I am, but it's all in perspective and whatever you think is success, whatever you think is further along. And now if you look at it, as far as business, yeah, maybe I have a little bit more experience than you guys. Um, but I would, you know, we talk about why a lot. And, and, and I've been around a lot of investors, a lot of entrepreneurs for years now. And I think the, the biggest thing is, is I see a lot of entrepreneurs just lose themselves in, in this. And, uh, and they start off... Um, hungry and with a, with a big reason and a big purpose. And in the middle of it somewhere in all the minutia, they lose themselves and they don't know why, or they don't know what they're doing. Um, and that's what I've seen. And um, so, you know, a lot of people say, well, my why is my family. And that's just one of those things. I was looking, we're going to write do a video or write a blog about like, I think that's the biggest lie in the world, mm -hmm. um, honestly, um, especially, but, but, you know, if, if it really is, and I see the actions behind it, then, uh, then great. Uh, a lot of people will say, my wife's my family. I want to give my kids and my family things that I've never had. Well, what if your kids don't even want that? <laughs> like, 
you know honestly ask to ask them like dude is that what they want <laughs> i mean that's yeah. a good question right is that what your wife wants like my wife's a very simple person and she doesn't want a lot of nice she doesn't care right she right. just wants me she wants me to be available so and i think a lot of people get wrapped up in in just watching what other people are doing and what the world is telling them and they look at the entrepreneur on youtube with the fancy things and they're like that's cool that's what i want but you really got to dig down deep and figure out what you want and i would just start off just by writing out your your priorities i know it's super simple but here's what i did um so last year i stepped out of my business right and I was wondering, what am I going to do with myself? And I started to write down my priorities, right? And mine was like, hey, I want to, I want to serve God. I want to serve my, my wife and my, my kids. And I want to impact people. And I want to love people, right? And um, I want to serve. Like, I want to do some mission things. And I really want to be impactful. Like, here's like five or six things, like my priorities. And then like making more money for me was like number eight, right? So like, I'm looking at all these things I could be doing and like people in my shoes would say, go start another business, go. But like, if, if, I'm only doing, if I'm only doing it for money, it's like number eight on my list. And that's not, that's not a huge priority for me. So mm. I would just say, start writing down your priorities and what is really important to you. Um, my big pri my big thing was I wanted freedom and I wanted the flexibility and I, now I have that. But like you said, a lot of people, they have that, but they don't really know what to do. Um, but it's also just been a great time of, um, of reflection and figuring out what, what it is you really want to do. I'm not saying you don't do anything, but, but I think it's just, it's all about you, right? Mm -hmm. um, so don't listen to what I say. You got to dig out what, what you want. So like, mm -hmm. I probably didn't answer your question at all, but it's a deep question. And um, I know that... For me, for example, I think we talked about this before the show, like I needed to be available to my kids and to my family. And that's what I've been doing, just just being available, right? Um, and I haven't been able to do that a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, running a business, hard charging, not present, wheels turning all the time and trying to be a good dad and a good husband, it's really hard. Oh, Brett, really such, such a good answer. I, <laughs> it, it reminds me of, of something a mentor used to tell me, which is it's much easier to make yes or no decisions when you know your priorities. You know, so if someone asks you to be on a podcast or someone asks you to partner with them on a new thing, if you have the priorities laid out, it's very easy to just say yes or no. I'm sorry, this doesn't align with what I'm doing right now. Or yes, I would love to. This is exactly what I should be. But without that, it's it's just everyone else kind of setting the priority in your life for you. It's kind of like, we talk about it with like email, like I, I don't like email. And you know, I'm like, if you use your email as a to-do list, then someone else is making your to-do list. So just, you need to stop doing that. But this is the exact same right. concept. So um, just, just before we hop one, one other thing, I just down that path. I, I remember, you know, not remember before we hit record, you mentioned, you know, like now you have kind of a reconnection to your family and having this time and kind of stepping away from the business has given you the ability to do that. Can you just comment a little bit more on that or just kind of what that really has meant or done for you? And again, just for the people that are, that are out there listening right now thinking, all right, I, I think I want financial freedom or I know I do, but I don't really have a good why behind it. But I think that story was, was pretty inspiring. Yeah, definitely. Um, so 
I'll tell you, I had all these plans last year, end of 2020. I was going to be starting a mastermind group. I was going to be starting this huge YouTube channel, which I did start a YouTube channel. We could talk about that, but I was going to, it was going to be a lot more work and a lot more into it um, and building it. And I was going to be doing this, these, all these crazy mission trips and all these things. And then uh, something happened with my personal family. And I just felt like kind of slapped in the head. I'm like, you need to stop, right? <laughs> and you just need to be available to them right now during this season of your life. Um, so, so with all that said, I have had this thing with my son. He's five years old. He had Michigan with my wife for this uh, intensive feeding therapy. He has this thing called ARFID. He gets really anxiety around food. He won't eat anything. It was either feeding tube or or this therapy program. So it was like seven weeks long. So I had to stay home and take care of my other kids. I got four kids. And, um, and I thought, dude, this is going to be really hard. Like, I don't know if I can do this, but I have the freedom to, to do that right now, which is amazing. Anyways, it started off hard, but, it, but I started putting my entrepreneurial hat on with my family. And I was like, this is really amazing. And I started to build out a little bit of systems and a little bit of processes and a little bit of routines with my family to make my family better, right? To help it run smoother, like a business. Uh, plus, you got the relationships and the love in there too, which is really cool. And and this is just kind of where we're at now. So we're, we're almost done with the feeding therapy. I've been at home with my younger kids. And what I thought was going to be really, really hard and challenging, and it was almost like a resentful, like Brett can't do what he wants to do it's like, wow, this is fulfilling. And I get to see my kids learn and I get to see them do things and I get to see them laugh and I get to love on them. And it's not sexy and no one sees it except for the people that are really, really important to me. And it's been really cool. Brett, this has been so much fun, man. Um, we might need to do a part two. I just feel like there's so much, so much good stuff here. A lot of synergy. Um, what's the best way for people to connect with you? Uh, I know you just started a YouTube channel, been putting out a lot of good content there for people that are, that are at all stages, but um, what's the best way for people to either connect or, or get in touch or learn more stuff about what you're doing? Yeah, I would just, we just launched a YouTube channel. It's called the Brett Snodgrass channel. So check that out on YouTube. Uh, just Google Brett Snodgrass YouTube channel, Brett Snodgrass channel. Uh, I also have a podcast, an audio podcast too. It's the Brett Snodgrass podcast. I'm very, very unique with my names. Um, but, uh, but I have very, um, my, my podcast, YouTube channel, it's, it's really real. Like we talk about purpose and freedom a lot, but I interview guests just like this, but <laughs> I kind of, uh, it, it's real and raw conversations and uh, it's really, really cool. So fascinating conversation. So I have a lot of fun. So that's probably the best place. Go check out our YouTube channel, comment in the section and we'll reach out to you. All right. Awesome. Well, we'll link all that. And, uh, I'm excited to check it out myself, man. Um, just, just know what you're doing. And even just in this, the short conversation, man, I could just tell it's, it's uh, extremely genuine and not just about making money, you know, making money is cool, but um, there's just a deeper purpose and impact. So it's really cool. So Brad, I just want to say thank you for coming on, man. Um, this is up there with one of the the more fun episodes and just, I think more like impact episodes that I think we've had in, in 200 something shows. So thank you for coming on, man. Awesome. And just want to say best it. of luck in uh, 2021 to you and your family. Thanks, Jonathan. Appreciate you having me, man. All right. You got it. Hey, you millennial millionaire. Are you looking for help getting to the next level in real estate? Are you looking for accountability and strategy to achieve your goals? If so, 
Jonathan is now taking on one-on-one students and opening a few spots in his private mastermind. It's affordable and welcome to everyone. If you had any questions or think you may need a boost, send Jonathan a message on Facebook or email at johnjfarber at outlook.com. 